So hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Shay's Pretty Skinny. And of course, I'm Shay doing everything but keeping it cute. And this season is Keep It Cute with a Hoe. And this episode is going to be about faux friends. Now not one, two, three faux, but F-A-U-X as in fake friends. It's a hard topic. But first, the thing I love talking about. And one day I'm going to put it on my Instagram. But um, let's see what we have in today. Today is some cauliflower mash. That's what I'm going to call it. Cauliflower mash. You know how you have mashed potatoes and all that good stuff? So um, it may seem a little boring, but it's not. Let me tell you, you still got to fix it up like you do a loaded mashed potato. So you're still going to take that cauliflower. You know, you're going to boil it a little bit or if you want to roast it, whatever you want to do to tenderize it a little bit put it in a food processor, a blender. Me, my favorite thing is a ninja because I can put everything in there. Blend that up a bit there, break it down. And then what you can do is add some minced garlic or if you buy that one in the jar, you just put a little juice in there. If you don't like the little garlic pieces, chop up some green onion, um, throw some cheese in there, cheddar, um, sharp white. But what I have is some Asiago. My mom threw some of that in there, so that was delicious. Now, if you're not on the vegetarian kick, because I'm trying to do a light day today, I'm not ready to fast this week, but I'm just going to keep it light. Um, You know what you can do is also use these mashed uh, cauliflower for, well, in place of grits. Now, I'm a country girl, so we do the whole shrimp and grits So you want to put as much garlic as you would put in those grits, and you can throw some shrimp on there, right? Boom, you just kind of saute the shrimp a little bit, throw some Old Bay seasoning on there with a little butter. And if you really want to take it to the max, you really want to take it to the max because you're struggling, making that transition, but you want some flavor, you know, you get some little bacon bits. And if you're vegetarian, you can get those faux bacon bits too, but I don't do fake meat. So I just have to have it or not. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, if you do that, oh my goodness. Because I wasn't always vegetarian. So sometimes my mouth be watering thinking about some of the old stuff I used to eat. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You really want to take that mashed cauliflower to the max. Asiago cheese, garlic, a pinch of salt. Make it Himalayan, okay? Forget the white salt, the table salt. That'll have you in the hospital and swollen somewhere. Throw a little bit of green onion up in there, okay? Put that shrimp on top, and then you just want to sprinkle those little bacon bits. I'm telling you, the busy, busy bomb. So anyway, we don't got all those fixings, but we still going to go with it. So let's talk about this, because there's all kinds of fake friends. All kinds. Now, I guess I could tell you a little story. might get me in a little trouble, but who cares, right? I'm always getting into some kind of trouble. That's just how my mouth is set up. So, I have these group of friends, associates, or whatever you want to call them, from my high school days. Lord knows I'm pushing on 40 right now. But uh, there was five of us, right? So I really connected with this one gal, and um, she was somebody that I could be more personal with. Like, we had some of the same struggles. Uh, We both had some responsibilities that other people didn't have. For different reasons, though. So different circumstances, but still adult responsibilities that we had to deal with in high school. So I felt like we could really connect 
Plus, she was the only person where her mom didn't like kind of, she wasn't off-putting. When she talked to me, she talked to me like a real person. You know what I mean? She was uplifting to me. She was encouraging to me. And I really didn't get that from other adults in high school. Now, the reason why I didn't is because I was a teen mom. Okay, I'm a teen mom. So my first child was born when I was 15 years old. I met that boy at the church, okay? So when I talked about turtleneck Tammy on the last episode, I know about them turtleneck Tammies, okay? Down in the basement doing things. They be on their knees, but it ain't about praying, okay? <laughs> let me be good. See, that's low vibrational. Let me let me just let me try to stay on the high vibration real quick. But um, um, my first love I met when I was younger, and um, he was a little bit older than me. He was actually three years older than me. I met him when I was an eighth grader, and he was an eleventh grader. And um, I was one of them dumb girls with the whole "if you love me, you'll do this," right? And um. He was sleeping with some other gal, and I didn't want that to happen. So I was figuring, okay, we're going to be together forever. You know how, well, I don't know if you know how it is, but sometimes you're just that dumb. And you're really thinking, I'm going to be with this guy. We're going to get married, and we're going to have a wonderful life. Because we be watching too much Disney. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I ended up getting pregnant, and... uh I delivered my first baby at the age of 15. I took one year, my freshman year, off from high school. I went to a magnet school, or what they would call a pilot program, um, for people who were considered intelligent. I was a gate kid, gifted in talents and education. I had to take a test, and I was a gate kid when I was in junior high. And so I had the opportunity to apply for... Uh, a school that kind of catered to these type of children. And I was accepted, but I didn't know I was going to be pregnant at the time. So once I had to tell my mom about that, um, I ran into a couple of little situations and they wanted to kick me out and send me to continuation school. And thank goodness for my mom's support and her bravery because she asked me what I wanted to do. And, you know, I wanted to fight to stay at the school any way that I could because I felt like getting the best education was going to be the best thing for me in order to provide a life for my child. And especially because after my, well, during my first trimester, I had my ultrasound or whatnot, and I found out my child was going to be special needs. There were some things going wrong in the womb. They couldn't exactly tell what it was. It ended up being amniotic band syndrome. And so I knew there was going to be difficulties, and I knew I was going to need to make an immense amount of money in order to provide health care, child care, and a decent life for my child. So I was thinking, there's no way I can go to continuation school, because to me, it was just a school where they babysat people, right? Now, I've never been there, so I really can't attest to it. But at the time when I was in school, continuation school had the reputation for taking all the gangbangers, all the people who, you know, they wasn't going to pay attention in school, um, all the pregnancy moms, you know what I mean? And they taught you how to diaper kids and things like that and how to be a parent. Well, I figured, you know, my mom, she had done well with me. I was just a hard-headed kid sometimes, you know, did the things she told me not to do. So I figured 
I could learn how to take care of my child from my mother. You know what I mean? And I had babysat when I was younger. So um, that was just the period that we went through. Like my mother thought I had done it on purpose because I always said I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be a wife, even when I was five years old. And then I started babysitting when I was eight years old and I was really, really good at it. So there was a time when my mom was thinking that I had gotten pregnant on purpose, but I I didn't do it on purpose. I was just being young and dumb, right? Trying to be in love, didn't really know what that was about. So anyway, I'm in high school. I have to take this time off and do some independent studies. So they kind of put this program together for me and I stayed at home and I had to do all my projects by presentation and by myself. My baby was born. I was able to take care of my baby and stay at the hospital with her with all the conditions that she had. Um, And really, I had developed a friendship with this one person. Now, we hated each other when we first met each other. I wouldn't say it was hate, but we weren't very fond of each other. And um, I remember I was allowed to go to school until I really, really started showing. And then I had to stay at home. So at first, I'd be there. And somehow, people knew that I was pregnant I can't remember if I told them or maybe some teachers were gossiping. You just never know because adults do that kind of thing. And there was a teacher who didn't want me there. And she's just the sweetest thing now. I went back to my old high school and she was definitely a great support. And she was very positive and glad to see me. But she was one of the teachers who didn't want me to stay because I was going to infect everyone. You know, everyone's going to get pregnant because I was pregnant. Well, I used to have the circle of associates. They were so nice to me. I really didn't have to get up from my seat. I really didn't have to go and get lunch. You know, they felt sorry for me. And that was working for me. So I had this group, and we called ourselves the ladies of the court. And they had dubbed me Queen Taz. Tasmanian Devil was like a favorite thing of mine in high school. So they had dubbed me Queen Taz. And then they were all my ladies of the court. And I had named them all. One day I was sitting down at the table and everyone was sitting at the table with me and I would always sit at the head, you know, as the queen. And this individual came in and she just came over putting salt in my game. And I was just like, I do not know why you guys cater to her. There's nothing wrong with her. All that's wrong with her is she's pregnant. She can walk, she can talk, she can get her own things. And I thought, well, look at this wench right here. But also, I was very intrigued by this individual because the nerve of her. (laughs) All right. But I liked what she was saying and the fact that she was so feisty. So I took the time to get to know her and I got to know her mother. And um, her mother was not the type like, oh, my God, you're going to get my daughter pregnant. Stay away from her or you're a hoe. Stay away from her. She totally didn't approach me that way. Little did I know. Well, I knew a little bit about it. I didn't know too much about being Jehovah Witness then. But they were Jehovah Witness. And, you know, the way that she accepted me and loved on me, it was just something that really changed my perspective on life, you know? It was something that actually got me through. Because there were a lot of other adults, including my teacher's principal, some other people's parents, who would always talk down to me. And never in front of my mom, you know what I mean? So it would always be adults kind of like bullying a person, I guess, because they're thinking that you have a child. But at the end of the day, I was still 15 years old. You know what I mean? Still trying to like grow into an adult because I wasn't an adult. I was just doing adult things and had adult responsibilities. But we became closer than I ever thought that we would be. And she was like my best friend. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't really talk to too many other people and I couldn't really hang out with her 
because we didn't have the same type of life, okay? Like I said, I don't tell other people's stories because it's not my narrative. I can only tell you my narrative, and then, you know, there's people who come along your path. But by the time I came back in 10th grade, I came back 10th grade year, started the year, and my goodness, she had like all of these new personalities around her, right? And one person she had become very good friends with. So for me, I've always been the person, I think I mentioned that before in high school, uh, they mentioned something about I was like the most, uh, most likely to tell the truth. And people would say that. Sometimes people would think I was very mean, but I always told you what I was thinking, and I always meant it. So there were a couple of gals or whatever, and I still wanted to hang out with my friend because she was still my friend. Anybody else wasn't going to stop me from doing that. And so there was one friend that she had. We hung around her the most. You know, that was like her closest friend, and I would hang around them, and she seemed to be a cool gal. She was very creative. Um, she was very funny, and we had a lot of fun together. Then somehow um, this relationship was developed. I think my friend was like in drill team or something of that sort. And this other gal was in drill team too. So she kind of was like along for the ride. And then there was another gal. And I don't know who she was friends with in the group or whatnot, but she was part of the group. But I knew she wasn't my friend. Now me and this gal, I would always say we're not friends. And I would always say that to her face. Like you're a friend of my friend and I'm not going to stop hanging out with my friend. Because she's friends with you. It has nothing to do with me. Just know that we're not friends. Okay? So it was a small group. Uh, we were all African-American girls. And the school I went to was not predominantly African-American, nor was it predominantly Caucasian. It was actually more Pacific Islander, um, Filipino, more uh, Asian descent. Probably about at least 75 80% Asian now, you also have to remember this. It was a small school. We were a high school located on the campus of Cal Poly Pomona. So it was a high school on a college campus. Okay? And we were the first class of 100 students. That was the maximum at that time that they would admit for any class. So we were the first full class. So out of 100 kids... I can't remember how many of us were black, but for sure, <laughs> we were the majority of the black individuals in our class, okay? So we hung out a little bit. Um, I never really identified with the other part of the group, although we kept in contact right up until I think I was about, well, at least 38, up until last year or so. Kind of, sort of, we all kept in contact in some type of way, even if we did not remain close friends. And about a year ago, I came into a situation where uh, I was being accused of not being a friend. Like, I'm always the one who's kind of doing her own thing. I got married before everyone else. I married at the age of 20. So I had different responsibilities. I also had a child, you know, so I was a, I was a family already. And they were still out figuring out themselves and what things interested them and all that. I was paying rent, medical bills, dealing with child support. Okay, I had other things going on. So I never really hung out with them as much as 
it was perceived. I guess I started posting on social media at one point when I started working with people um, with mental health issues, doing a peer support group, and kind of working on my health and wellness. So I started connecting with people that way. I had originally created my Instagram because I was pregnant with my ex's baby. And uh, we had talked about being a family, getting married. So his sister was on Instagram. And she was like, I don't have Facebook. At the time, I was like, I only have Facebook. And she wanted to kind of like keep up with the baby and things like that and get pictures. So she was like, do you mind having an Instagram account? So I went and I created my Instagram account. Didn't do much with it until I started my business. And that's when I started using it a lot. Now, I've always liked taking pictures. When I was in high school, I have, they had one hour photo. I don't know who all had that, but I went to high school in California. And one hour photo was a thing, okay? People would be at the one hour photo every other week. And you'd be taking pictures with yourself, a couple of your friends. And, you know, you get your pictures in the hour. So it was a big thing. You don't have to wait for this stuff to be developed. And then they would do, like, all these little dreamy filters and all that. All the stuff we do right now with our own Instagram. We didn't have that ability then. But the one-hour photo did. So we always took pictures all the time. We would sign the back of them. I remember that so well. And my little group, at one time, we called ourselves Platinum Players. What we would do with our photos is we would sign them on the back. Or on the front, okay? And we had, like, these very interesting poses. I remember one with the the group of three individuals, and we did, like, a Charlie's Angels type situation. And that's one of the pictures that got um, posted up for everybody to see. Now, let me tell you how hated I was. Now, during those times, I don't know if we were signing a release or not. I don't know what we were doing. But I just know we went to the mall, went by the one-hour photo, and saw that our picture had been posted up as one of the pictures to say, hey, try this. Well, I was so hated that somebody came and defaced my photo. Just me. It was three of us in the photo. <laughs> and somebody had scratched my face out. I was like, wow. I did not even know people cared that much. So here we are, a group of five, and there was one person, the one I said I wasn't friends with. I kind of used to terrorize them a little bit because they would always be this type that would like say this and say that and how they're going to beat this person up and beat that person up. They were just very animated. And I knew a lot of people because the father of my first child pretty much had intercourse with like half of the town we lived in. So I had already had some run-ins with these women, these ladies that went to the other, the bigger or larger high schools, right? And so I knew of them, and there were some people in common. And so she would always say how she was going to beat this person up or beat that person up. And uh, I would go back and say, hey, such and such said, if you ever show up at our school, she's going to put a whipping on you. And of course, I already know it's going to happen. That person's going to come to the school, right? I thought I was teaching somebody a lesson. What I learned later in life, I was 27 years old at one of my birthday parties that person attended, 
And what I learned later in my life is that person was actually going through some very, very horrible family circumstances. Okay. And those are just things that you can't fix. So I would hate that she doesn't waste her time hating me because, you know, I've apologized and that's all that I can do and I I have to move on. And I would hope that she could do the same. And so once I was given that information at the age of 27, I wholeheartedly apologized. You know what I mean? But I couldn't change what happened or what type of trauma or terror that brought on for her in her high school experience. Now, these three folks, mind you, I don't talk to either one of them, like none of them in a very frequent way. I'm the pop in, pop out. Best believe, if somebody special comes into my life, oh, this is my group of friends, you know, that I want to introduce you to. You're going to have to get their approval and my mama's approval. Now, if they don't like you, oh, well, if I still like you, we're going to move on. But they're at least going to know this is a person that I'm dating. You know what I mean? I'm serious about this person. Say hello. So that when I do pop up once a year, they won't be like, who the heck is this? Right? About last year, I was accused of not being a good friend. And at first, I was like in this space where, okay, I want to try to be a better friend. You know what I mean? And the accusation was, like, we don't know anything personal about your life. Well, I stopped worrying about it once I found out that the person accusing me of not being very personal and open and sharing myself with them, I knew nothing about them. I didn't know they had moved to a new place. Uh, I didn't know they was dating somebody that we all knew. I didn't know they had a surgery. I didn't know any of those. I didn't know they worked at the same place I worked at. I didn't know any of those things. And that's when I decided... If they don't get the F out of my face, <laughs> okay? Like, how do you accuse someone of something that you're doing? And that's what I know. I knew for sure, like, we weren't friends. But then I started thinking about it, and I was like, were we ever friends? No. So then I decided that I didn't need to be indebted to these individuals anymore. Like, what type of friendship was I working on if we never had a friendship in the first place, right? I didn't know anything about them. They didn't know anything about me. And that's how it was in high school. And I decided, you know what, let me be honest. Let these people know, please, move on. And I was feeling stressed from a situation where I felt like I was trying to be the go-between or the middleman between one person who didn't like the one friend that I fell in love with, you know, the one who was like, hey, why are you guys catering to this chick? Like, I really had fallen in love with her. And even um, after high school, a little bit after college, in those years, probably around 30 years old, we kind of fell out of contact as well. So... I knew for sure even then that she was my best friend, but I wasn't her best friend. And it wasn't something that ever bothered me because sometimes that'll be the situation. Like a person's going to be closer to you or you're going to have a lot of value for them in your life, but it may not be reciprocated in that way. And it doesn't mean that you guys aren't friends. It's just the value that you place on each other is a little bit different. You know what I mean? So for me growing up, her and her family, her and her mom had really been an anchor for me And it kind of gave me light to what could be. Like, there was value outside of my mother, you know, having that relationship. It was just like the one person who helped me realize that this was not the end for me, that I could still grow into somebody and a person who was beautiful and I could still do something with my life. And that meant everything to me. And her being available for me and us being able to talk about certain things and the difficulties in our lives, those conversations were invaluable to me. 
But then as we grew up, like things just changed, you know, things were different. I learned how to salsa dance because of her. Okay, she made me go salsa dancing. She did everything. She was like, uh, if you remember in Living Color, when they had the little lady talking about, you got 33 jobs. That's what she reminds me of because she tried everything. She really like explored things in her life. And I didn't understand the, the context as to why that was happening. But I always admired that about her. There was nothing that she would say no to. And she would try everything. You know what I mean? And she actually excelled at most of it, to be honest with you. I can't really say what she didn't excel at. She always gave it 100%. And I always looked at her like, wow, she's really living her best life. So I always admired that about her. But also, I understood that we had kind of grown apart. And our lives were a little bit different. And I hadn't really kept in contact with anyone. And she never gave me problems with that or anything. She always respected wherever I was in my life, even when I became Jehovah Witness and then, you know, she was already in her progressive state with that. She was always respectful of whatever my wishes were and wherever I was in my life. But with the other three, it was just kind of like, what? what am I fighting for? And I don't need to be the mediator. By this time, we're almost 40 years old. If you can't go talk to a sister in her face, I don't know what to tell you, okay? Because we're not in high school anymore. And it just felt like... You know, there was a part of that being held on, like, I liked girlfriends. I also liked friends, but I think when I was younger, I dreamed of having a friend group that you could meet up for lunch with every now and then, you know what I mean? But the reality was I never had a friend where we lived in the same space. So it was difficult to meet up. And then I had family responsibilities. Then my friends started getting family responsibilities. And we all lived in different places and had different things going on. So we would meet up whenever we could, usually for someone's birthday or for some type of holiday or something of that sort. And I lived the farthest. Like, it was hard to travel to where I lived, so not many people came out. But also, I started realizing that I had a ton of birthday parties up until the age I was 27, and not one of my friends from high school ever attended. The one birthday party where I had two friends attend, I had hired one of them to plan the party, and that didn't go well at all. But I still paid them because they were my friend. And then they had invited their friend, the person I was never friends with. And that's how we reconnected and, you know, and had a conversation and everything. And once I was speaking to her, she like told me, you know, I never realized that you were going through all those things. I'm really great at keeping a facade, right? Uh, I could be going through hell and back in my life. But when you meet up with me, you would never know it. Like sometimes I just feel like it's not important to bring somebody else down. If I think my situation is going to um, cause negative feelings or, you know, I already know that I'm depressed about it. It's not a, an energy that I want to transfer onto someone else. Number one, I want to break for whatever, from whatever I'm going through. And number two, I'm really not trying to suck energy from people, right? So it just came to a point where I realized... We're not really friends. I'm tired of being bashed about not being a good friend when people are not making the same effort. So then it just kind of fell off. Now, after this point, um, I had some coworker, associates, and friends. And after this point, I really started evaluating everyone, right? What type of friends am I dealing with? What type of people am I dealing with? And I don't know if I came to the realization that maybe I just had associates because sometimes it's like that. And I'm the type of person, it'll take a long time for me to use the word friend with you. Because, yeah, we might have fun together. We might have a couple of drinks at happy hour. But would I really let you into my personal life? There's people that I've hung out with and they have no idea who my kids are. There's dates I've gone on and they have no idea that I have kids because I'm like, I'm one of these onion type people, right? You just got to really peel back the layers. 
I'm not a person who will like volunteer information. Um, I kind of grew up with this, this theory of feeding people with a long handled spoon, if you ever heard that before. And so I've done that because too many times I extend myself and I don't have any happy medium. I'm like the person who's going to give you the shirt off my back and I'm not going to expect it back. Or I'm the person who's going to burn the shirt on yours. <laughs> that didn't sound so good, but it's the truth. So you either on my Schindler's list or I will give you the world. I have a hard time having a happy medium and I have to learn that over time. So um, I think a lot of times we want to hold on to people, even if we've outgrown those relationships. I talked about that before, being in someone's life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. You know, sometimes when people are in our lives for a season or a reason, it's for us to learn certain lessons. It's for us to grow and maybe for that other person to grow. And then there's just going to be those attachments, those soulmates, because a soulmate doesn't have to be someone that you're romantically involved with, you know, but it could just be those people who will walk with you for a lifetime, you know? And unfortunately, because you have 500 quote unquote friends on Facebook or Instagram, doesn't mean that those people are there to walk with you for a lifetime. Some people are just there to be nosy. Some people are there to be your haters. Some people are there to, to help you grow, to teach you something. Some people are there for business interest. And those are the things that you really have to be aware of. Um, so, you know what? Let's go ahead and get into it. So that's what I want to talk about today is some faux friends and recognizing when you have them and what they may look like. Now, for me, I'm pretty sure there's all types, all kinds, and probably more than I'm going to talk about today. But I kind of narrowed it down from my experience, seven types of faux friends, fake friends, that you can have. And again, I just want to point out, because I'm a country girl, it's not faux like the number four, okay? It's faux, F-A-U-X, like a faux fur, fake friends. So the first person we're going to talk about is what I call the shadow. Now, this is the person who does everything that you do, right? They're a mimicker, all right? So um, they'll talk uh, negatively about whatever you might be trying to do, but then they'll go and do it like, oh, girl, I don't think that hairstyle looked good on you. Then next week, you'll see them with the same hairstyle. Sometimes they'll even go to the same hairstylist, right? Or you'll want to do something or an accomplishment you want to do in your life. Oh, I don't think you should do that. That sounds stupid. But then they'll go and do it. So that's what I call the shadow. <laughs> they do everything, everything that you do. And some people may say, okay, well, why would this person do that? Sometimes people just lack confidence and maybe they admire the confidence that you have. And so they'll try to embody that by doing the things that you do. They never really get confidence because you have to work on yourself, right? Become self-aware. There's just stages that you have to go through to actually own your own confidence. So I don't know how you should take those type of friends, whether you should feel like, okay, well, that's admirable. I don't know, because it can sort of be a little bit annoying. I remember a, a quote unquote friend that I had, and um, I was really into the Chrysler 300, right? And so they definitely went and got the same color that I had talked about getting, the same type that I wanted, and then they one-upped it, right? And my significant other was like, well, are you going to get the Chrysler 300? And I'm like, no, because that person already went and got it. But then I think that was their whole point. You see what I mean? So that's the shadow. Everything you get, everything you do, they got to do it. 
Now, the second type is what I call the house of mirrors. That's the person who requires you to do everything that they do. Now, they might have somebody they don't like. Maybe you don't have a problem with it. But because you're supposed to be loyal to them, and that's the word sometimes I really can't stand. But because you're supposed to be loyal to them, then you can't talk to the other people because they don't like them. Sometimes these people are just really full of it. Like they're really only feeding their own interests and nothing that they do is wrong, okay? So if they end up not liking Susie because Susie told them about themselves, don't talk to her because she's a bee, right? And if you start talking to Susie, then you're disloyal, um, you're, not, you're not with them, you're not really their homegirl, and that's just silly. If somebody can't tell you where things are going wrong and you can't listen to constructive criticism, then there's, to me, there's a little bit something wrong with that. And I never like blind loyalty anyway, especially when we start talking about African-American women. Now, ain't nobody going to like when I say this, but one thing I have a problem with with women is... You're not allowed to date people if they've dated. Now, I do understand you had a husband and y'all got a divorce. I would not go and date my close friend's husband. You see what I mean? Um, I would probably not go and date my close friend's baby daddy. Oh, I hate that term. But I would not date the father of my friend's child, okay? I probably wouldn't do that because that's a, a very intimate relationship, you know what I mean? I'm not really one who believes in this. Oh, he slept with me and that's gross. He slept with a lot of people, more than likely the way people move in these days and the way dating is set up. Just because I know you doesn't mean you wouldn't be someone I know in the future. He could have slept with someone in the past and then I end up working with this, pe- with this person. You know what I mean? So to me, those are like little childish things. If this is somebody that you went, went on a date with a couple of times and you decided, oh, no, I'm not into him then I don't understand why I can't go on a date with them. Whether you slept with them or not is really not my business because I'm, I'm not in the habit of talking to the person I'm dating about, well, how many girls have you slept with? Because I think it's irrelevant, you know what I mean? So why do I even want to get into that conversation? Those people are in the past, and what we're doing now is what we're doing now. So I'm not really a person who gets into those type of conversations, which means whatever you did with this person is irrelevant to me. And I also don't talk bedroom business with my friends. Like, we talk about sex, but I don't talk specifically about who I'm having sex with and what I'm doing with them. I just think that's off limits, and that's how you start piquing people's interest. And when you do have a dirty friend, which we'll talk about those in a minute, you know, that's how people start moving into your bedroom and doing things that they shouldn't do. And then, oh, my cousin slept with my man, my best friend slept with my man, all these kind of things. So I don't have that type of talk with my friends. We just kind of, like, talk lightly about that or whatever in general, okay? But that's what I call the house of mirrors. They're only going to feed their own interests. They're never wrong. Everything that they tell you is the right thing to do. And they try to live your life for you. So they just want you to be like a little mini-me to them. Okay, a little minion. And I don't do well with that either. Then you have the Mr. or Mrs. Me Too. And that has nothing to do with sexual abuse. But if you ever heard that song by The Clips, 
I can't think of the melody right now. But basically, yeah, Mr. Me Too. Whatever you've done, they've done it too. And again, they got to tell the story to top it off. They're very competitive. They always want to one-up you, and then they always want to make it so that they're getting the accolades. Sometimes they're even cutting you off, usually when you're in a group of people. So there's just nothing that you can do or have done that they haven't done either. I mean, sometimes it's like that, especially if you're an exploratory type person, because that's my personality. I'll try a lot of things at least once, right? Because I'm just curious like that. And so someone could be saying something, and I don't always have to let you know that I've done it too. I can relate, you know, and that'll be something that I'll say. That's one of my sayings. Oh, I can relate. I totally understand what you're saying. But I don't have to go and tell my story. I still let you tell your story and have your moment. We could laugh about it or whatever. And that's it. I don't have to one-up you. So that's one of those things I've had, too, with somebody. It's always the me, too. They're like one step away from the shadow individual. And then, let's see, I've had an experience where I call them the we're friends when it's just me and you. It's the just me and you friend. So maybe one-on-one, because that's really my thing. I'm a one-on-one person. I don't really do well in groups. Like, when I get into a group situation or somebody invites me to a party, I kind of come and I observe everyone because I already know that I'm an acquired taste. I am not everybody's cup of tea, okay? (laughs) It's not my intention to rain on anybody's parade. So when I'm in a a group setting, I'll just be quiet and I'll just kind of like listen to people talk before I really start interacting. So that way I don't go too far. I don't hurt anyone's feelings unnecessarily. Oh goodness, I probably should have turned that down. But um, I I don't look at that. That's what you get when it's happening live. And I'm not gonna edit that out either. But yeah, um, I don't, I just wait for people um, to say what they're going to say. And I kind of, I'm a really good reader character. So then I know how I can or need to interact with someone so we can get through that night or get through the event without too many hiccups, right? And I'm never fake. Just sometimes everything you're thinking doesn't need to be said, especially if you're not going to have uh, repeated contact with this individual. But I've had this case where it's a just me and you. And I never really knew because it would just always be this person and myself. And they also knew that I didn't really like new company because I just like to be free and honest and everybody really can't take honesty, okay? And sometimes I'm just graphic when I speak and I'm on my personal time. Like, I can be a very comical person, but what I'm saying is the truth and I'm a graphic individual, And so she would never really invite her other friends. It would just be the two of us. And I would never invite any of my other friends either. It would just be the two of us. Um, Then she invited me somewhere to a comedy show. And I went into the comedy show. Oh, I do. I have all types of friends, okay? So this friend was Caucasian. And she invited me to a comedy show. And I went out with her and her daughter. And it ended up being some racial jokes But comedy to me is comedy. Now, there are about three or four African-American black people in there, right? I don't really say African-American, I say black. But there are about three or four black people in there. And the person made a joke and they were like, oh, well, there's not that many in here anyway. And they just went with it, right? But some of the jokes were a little condescending, but okay, I guess that happens in the comedy world. So to me, it was like, well, whatever. I didn't think anything of it. Um, Then we end up getting together, a few years later actually, we end up getting together, 
and we're going to um, a concert. And the individual um, just said some things that I felt were out of pocket. And it just made me think like, wow, if she's thinking that way about this black lady who was dating her ex-husband, then what does she think about me? It was one of those situations where you're thinking, like, it's cool, like we're cool and we're friends until I guess I step out of pocket, you know? It's cool until it's not. Like, one of those things where if you're my boss, right, and we're hanging out, that's cool. But once I come up to your level or I become your boss, then I might just become a bitch or a black bitch like that. So it was one of those situations, and the phrase that was used was nigger bitch. And it just really, like, it was off-putting to me. And I just thought, hmm. Then I started thinking back to the comedy show. Like, maybe this is really how this person moves about. And when it's just she and I, then everything's cool. But if we were in a group, then maybe, you know, she has some different feelings or there's a different conversation going on. So that's just one of those situations where you feel like, okay, this must be like a false connection. But also sometimes people don't know what they're doing. I've been, I've had a couple of Caucasian friends where I've been at a party or a family gathering and there's no other black people there. And you're like, I don't think they really have friends. Or it would be one of those things where they feel obligated to prove to you that they have other black friends, even though you haven't seen them. Sometimes it's suspect, right? But at the end of the day, if no one offends me, I don't know. I like a person for who they are. If I don't feel any type of malice, I just keep going with it. It doesn't bother me that they don't have other colored friends or other black friends. It doesn't bother me at all. But it does bother me when it seems to be in that situation where it's cool when it's just me and you. But if we were in a group, people would be uncomfortable because maybe you're saying things that don't mesh with you being a friend with a black person. So that's really the situation I've had with that. Um, the fifth type of friend is what I like to call the mask, okay? It's a person always wearing a mask. So they keep up appearances with you. They never reciprocate. Like, if they're always inviting you places and you go, but then you invite them, they don't come. Maybe they call you when they're having family issues or something. Like, whenever they need you, that's when you're their friend. But when you need them, they're not really there. They might even give you the false invitation, the uninvite invite. Um, I had a friend who would always tell me how busy I was and then give me an invite. Well, I know that you're too busy or you're busy with your fam, but you know, we're having this thing tomorrow. And it will always be last minute. They call me at six o'clock PM to let me know that tomorrow they're having something. Or I know that you're Jehovah witness, so you're probably not going to come to this, but you know, if you want to tomorrow, we're having the birthday party. It would be like that. And um, there's just like no genuine interest, right? They always, it's a one-sided deal. So you're always kind of uh, meeting with their family, always doing things that they're interested in doing, but it's never reciprocated. Then you have what I like to call is the heir or the heiress, right? And those people are just around for the benefits. Like maybe you work in an industry where you can kind of get them the hookup. Um, maybe you're dating somebody and they like that friend. So they're around you so they can get closer to that friend. Um, maybe they do. you can do some social climbing. Like I said, you're in a business that they want to be in. Um, or being around you makes them look good. But whenever anything going down that's important, right, you want to call on them to actually be a friend, oh, they're not around. You want to invite them to your house and know other people are going to be around that they can socialize with, okay, they never show up, right? They're only showing up 
for those things. Or you got that person, um, they're just around because you're going to pay for things. Now, I'm a very generous person, and I just like people to have experiences. If I'm going somewhere and my friend's like, oh, I don't have the money, then it's cool, right? I just want to enjoy my friend's company. But a lot of times it will get people, and that's exactly what they do. They're only around to suck up your energy in that way. I remember I learned in my mid-20s, not if I go in a group, I'm not going to say that I'm paying for the table until they actually order, Mm, I went one time with a group of friends. We were at Lucille's. It's a barbecue joint. We were down in Los Angeles, and it can get a little bit expensive. So we're at the table, and I know that I'm going to pay for everyone. I can't remember what the situation was, but it was either something I was celebrating or maybe we just hadn't been together in a long time. And so I waited till everyone ordered at the table, and then I let the waitress know, okay, you could just bring one check. I'm going to be the one taking care of the bill. And sure enough, someone at the table was like, well, if I knew you were paying, I would have ordered something else. Exactly. That's the heir or the heiress. They're never, never, never going to order. You know what I'm saying? They're on, they're on a budget, so they're going to order what they're on the budget for. But when they know somebody else is paying, they're going to order the whole world. That's just not in my personality. For me, when I buy gifts, when I do anything, when I take anybody somewhere, I'm not going to give you something that I would not want. I'm not going to take you somewhere that I wouldn't go. And if I can't do that, I just won't invite you. That's the type of person I am. I also had a friend where, you know, we would go out or whatever, and I would always pay because they would always be driving. And that's my thing. So I'm like, if you drive, I'll pay. Especially after I had my surgery or whatnot, because it was just difficult for me to uh, drive long distances. Then I decided that I wasn't going to do that anymore. Let me see how many people reciprocate. And I had already kind of expressed this to this person, how people were using me or whatnot. And then I was just getting tired of it. So this person invited me out for dinner. They had arrived there before I did. And um, the waitress comes to the table or whatever once I get there. And they ask me, do I want to drink? And no, I don't. And that person probably already knew that because I was taking medications at the time. So I didn't drink. And so I was like, oh, no, um, I'll just get a water, took the water. And so the waitress asked, okay, will will you be ordering anything? Are you guys going to share this? And then my supposed friend was like, no, we're just going to share this appetizer. What? Huh? After all the times we've gone out and I let you order whatever, even on one occasion, my mom got offended because the individual was ordering things, right? So I'm thinking like, okay, well, she invited me out. And it was a place my mother had never been, and she was free for the day. So I was like, you know what, Mom? You want to come down with me? And I'm like, don't worry about paying, because, you know, I'm the one inviting my mom. But because my friend invited me, then I know for sure, okay, we're going to split the bill, because, you know, it's the both of us coming. So I wouldn't expect my friend to pay for my mom when I'm inviting my mom. Well, once everything is all said and done, my friend is doing most of the ordering, okay? I want this and that and this and that and this and that. Oh, yeah, and bring us a little bit of this or whatever. But then when the bill comes, she never reaches for her wallet. Not one time. So then I end up paying for the whole bill. And my mom was like, for real? Like, that's your friend? I thought she was going to pay something. I said, I thought she was going to pay something, too. And that was the first time I really felt with that friend, like, mm, everywhere we go, I'm always paying and you just eat freely. So when it came to the point with that same friend, when it was like, oh, no, we're just going to share this. And you didn't consult with me. You had already ordered that. It's not like we ordered this together or decided, well, what do we want to share? 
So for me, that was the end of that. Um, then the next type of friend I would say would be the bone collectors. That right there is your gossiper, okay? That's the person always dishing the tea. And my mom has always told me, and not to compare anybody to a dog, but that's just the saying. Like, we're country people, so we have, like, all these sayings. So my mom will always tell me, if a dog will bring a bone, they'll take one, too, right? So for me, when somebody's always coming with the gossip, with the info, oh, let me give you the tea, right? Because you're always hanging out with these people, and you're always bringing back the tea. Bringing back the tea. So best believe that that individual is also taking information back. Those are the kind of people where I just listen, oh, okay, oh, I see. And then they'll, they'll try to get some information out of you, but you won't get anything from me because I already know what kind of person you are. Um, if you ever watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta, they're the person who most reminds me of um, Sheree. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, they'll be having a conversation and they'll go back and dish it all. Again, sometimes everything is just not meant to be told. But then you have to know that maybe this person, they're just kind of messy sometimes. And that's how it is. They're always looking for a bone to take and bring. Those are the kind of chicks or the kind of dudes that will also take your love interest, okay? Or try to, like, break up a friendship and then they want to become close to that friend. And you have to really, really pay attention because normally those people don't even share personal information. And I say that and I tread on that lightly because I'm a person, if I don't know you, we don't have a close relationship like that. I won't tell you anything personal about me. However, I'm the observer. And so when I've been in different circles, I remember working at a government agency and I was on this one team and there was like two separate groups of individuals, right? So I'm new to the team, and uh, I would go to lunch with one group, and they would be talking about a couple of people in the other group, right? And then it would be some commoners, me and a couple other people. We still go to lunch with the other group, and those people would be talking about the people we were just at lunch with. And that's when I thought, oh, Lord, these people are messy, right? So I just wouldn't say anything. But the funny thing is, that's kind of how you get the whole story. I'm like a vault. You tell me something... And I do. I can hear the information, but for the most part, I kind of forget about it because it's drama. That's low vibrational activity. And I don't like to be part of no mess because the first thing somebody wants to say when you come up and say, oh, yeah, this and that and this and that. Oh, well, such and such said they never, ever say what they said. Right. They always want to tell what the other person said to start some mess to get things going. So that's what I like to call a bone collector. So those are the seven types of shady friends or faux friends, fake friends that I categorize people in. The shadow, the house of mirrors, the Mrs. Me Too, the just me and you friend, the person wearing the mask, the heir of the heiress, they're just around to get something from you, and the bone collectors. Now, I've been doing this for such a long time. Like I said, if I get around some shady individuals, I don't have too much to say. I'm just a, oh, for real? Mm-hmm. What? Especially if somebody's bringing me some tea that I already know about. Probably I already heard it, and somebody went, well, did you know? And I'll just say, what? I never say, yes, I knew. No, I didn't know. Because remember, I've been raised, my mom says she hates a liar, right? So that was the mastery of my whole youth, was figuring out how to keep myself out of trouble, 
keep my um my friends out of trouble and not tell on them whenever I got caught. So I never admit to anything. And so that would always be my thing, like, what? Even if I know I'm not going somewhere, um, my answer would be, well, that's the plan. You know, plans change. <laughs> so I never even knew this, but once I got into um, psychology, human services, there's actually a term for it. They call it the gray rock technique. It has nothing to do with that book, okay? That's a whole different gray. Uh, my daughter, my little toddler, she's a, a rock collector. And what you have to know about rock collectors is they never want to get a rock that's not interesting, right? Something about it has to be interesting. So that's exactly what's going on with this whole gray rock technique. It's basically a boring color gray, a boring rock. No emotion, no anything, no reaction, right? So sometimes you're still having to deal with people, whether this person's going to be in your family, because it could be one of your family members who's kind of giving you this type of treatment. Maybe it's your in-laws. Maybe it's your real family, your blood family. Maybe it's somebody that you have to work with. Maybe there's a, a mutual friend or a mutual associate, and you don't want to stop spending time with your friend. Those are things that you have to decide whether your friend is shady and kind of going between the two of you and keeping up trouble. But I'm a living testament that it's totally, totally possible to be friends with two people who do not get along. The thing that gets messy is when you start feeding into what the other person is saying about the other friend. You really have to be the person that's going to shut that down because that's just negative energy. Again, low vibrational activity, and you don't want to get in the middle of that. For me, when I'm with Susie, I don't want to talk about Patty because Patty doesn't have anything to do with this and Patty's not here to defend herself, okay? So it's just going to be you and I doing what we do. There's so many other things that we can talk about other than Patty. And when I'm with Patty, I'm not going to talk about Susie because that's my real friend too. And so I'm not about to sit here and entertain all this stuff that you're doing. Also, I am not going to be the go-between. I've been in that situation before, and I found out I don't like it. So I'm not going to be the go-between between Susie and Patty. If Susie got an issue with Patty, then if you guys want me to sit there while y'all talk about it, cool. But I don't have an opinion. I'm not on either person's side, and I hope that you guys can be mature enough to talk it out and figure it out. If you guys decide that, okay, this is going nowhere, then that's cool. Patty better not ex um, expect me not to be friends with Susie anymore, and Susie better not expect me not to be friends with Patty anymore. As long as I'm not engaging in that low vibrational thing, then everything should really be cool. And that's just how I feel about it. By this time, I'm too old for the drama, and if need be, I'm going to drop Susie and Patty to preserve myself, <laughs> myself and my calmness, okay? Because ain't nobody got time for all this extra stress, okay? We're just too old. Well, I'm too old. Even when I was in my, my 20s, I felt I was too old for that type of stuff. It just take up too much energy, gives you a headache, and it makes you old a little bit quicker. But yeah, the gray rock technique is definitely about that. Because some people, they don't want to give up their friendships, or maybe they're still trying to figure it out or whatnot. But that's something that you can do. And what that entails is just 
you know, you can have a conversation with someone without divulging everything that's going on with you. You know, you can listen to them. Um, you can talk about things in general. You could talk about current events. But what you're not doing is giving them emotion. What you're not doing is letting them push your buttons. And what you're definitely not doing is giving them information that they could either use against you or um, go and share with other individuals. If you don't want it shared, you don't want it shared. And sometimes it comes down to the point of being able to stand up for yourself in a way that just says, you know what, that's not something that I want to share at this time. And maybe you never want to share it. Okay, or you know what, that's something that I consider private. And if that person's getting upset about that, I mean, that's a main indicator they're not a good friend. Okay, it's not somebody that you want to keep in your close personal circle. I think we all have to remember that we work in these circles, in these systems. Okay, and everybody doesn't have to be your close friend. Some people can be associates. I think too many times people just throw that word friend around and I take it serious. To me, a friend is like a family member of mine. So if you're a friend of mine, you're going to know the person that I'm dating, the people that I've been with. You're going to know my children. You're going to know their names. You probably would have been to my home, okay? But I have lots of people I've hung out with several times, had a lot of fun with them, and they've never done those things. They've never come to my home. They've never met my children, all those things. So you don't always have to consider someone a friend just to have fun with them or to have a good time. A lot of people say that, oh, I don't have any friends. Well, you can have associates, okay? You can have people that you just go to happy hour with, and you can have a good time with those people without them having a close personal relationship with you. I do think it's important, though, for you to at least have one person that you can have a close personal relationship with. And nowadays, it doesn't even always have to be face-to-face with uh, video conferencing. What's that? Uh, FaceTime. I don't use that as much as I, I would like to, I guess. I'm in a situation now where I use it a little bit more with my kids because we're all separated, but it's not like one of my things. And um, I've met people, even business partners, people I've done business with and good business, too. And I've only met them over the internet. I've never met them in person. So relationships are more about how you're interacting with someone, how much you want to open up to them, how vulnerable you want to be with them. That's really what a friendship is all about. Um, If you feel that you can't be vulnerable with someone, then it's probably not your friend. You know what I mean? And trust me. When you meet somebody on the third time, you really don't know everything about people these days. And you definitely can't know everything about someone just by social media, okay? Some people, they're one person on social media and then a whole nother person if you ever get that face-to-face contact from them, you know? But mixing it up is also a good idea because a lot of people I've done business with on the internet, I've also spoken to on the phone. And then just very few of them I've actually had the chance to meet up with or there's an offer for us to meet up later at some kind of common event. So that definitely can happen. A lot of people are like, oh, people on the internet are crazy. That's true. But people that you meet face-to-face are crazy too. So, you know, it's just about being a good reader character and giving that time to really fill somebody out. But if you feel like you really can't break contact with these individuals or it's going to cause more drama for you to not have any contact with them, because I will cut somebody off quick for my peace of mind and my mental health, okay? I have no problem with it. But I'm also more like of a loner type. I spend a lot of time um, just thinking about things, doing meditation and stuff like that. So um, 
it doesn't bother me as much as it may bother other people. But I've definitely been in peer support groups and facilitated them where, you know, people really just need someone that they can confide in. It really helps them release a lot of stress and pressure if they can talk about things more with someone. And so in that case, you know, you just really have to fill them out. Like I said, it's about how vulnerable you can be with someone and what type of information you can trust them with. Okay. Because someone you may be able to talk to about work, but you're not able to talk to them about your home life. So that's just about knowing um, how close you're going to let someone be to you. And with the gray rock technique, that's exactly what that, that's about. You know, what type of personal information you're going to divulge. And if that information gives that person some kind of ammunition to hurt you. Okay. And you have to really be a good judge of that character. And the only way to really do that is to know yourself. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, a lot of times I know it's just so easy for us to have other people validate us, but really once you start to um, realize that, you know what, I have everything I need to be successful, you don't need to ask someone or depend on someone's opinion of, well, if I make this business move, what do you think about it? Because that can be a blow to us too, right? Say you want to like share something with your mom or your dad or your sister and you really look up to them.